This is episode, what is it, 36, Chad? Yes, sir. On the Half Turn Podcast. Uh, I'm in the stew. We got Chad in his apartment room. We got my boy, Dimitri. How are you doing, Dimitri? I'm good, guys. Thank you so much for, for having me on. You guys have run a great podcast. I love seeing the clips and um, listening to your, your insider takes. It's pretty awesome. I think we should just clip that piece and put it in the intro so everyone knows, everyone's ready to go. That's cool. So, yeah. uh just a quick intro and then we'll kind of get into it. Dimitri and I played yeah. together in the Philadelphia Fury uh, fall of 2018 for a few months and then just kind of stayed in touch. You know, the the soccer connects the connections you make in soccer normally stick around, whether it's like, hey, what's up, bro? Where are you playing, bro? That kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. Chad, what are you wearing? What, what jersey are you rocking today? So just recently brought this one out a few episodes ago, but I got my purple Barcelona jersey. Uh, Barcelona seems like a, a popular team on this podcast tonight, but uh, yeah, I think it's one of the freshest jerseys in my collection. Yeah, I think it's the third kit. It's pretty uh, fresh, not gonna lie, pretty jealous. Dimitri rocking the Barca kit as well. What's what's the story behind that one? Um, this is uh, the older. This is a Ronaldinho jersey. Um, he's the reason I fell in love with Barcelona. Really, the reason why I wanted to actually do Joga Bonito, that shirt you got on right now. Um, <laughs> all those videos of him when you watch that video when he scored like 20 goals in that one clip and it's like, don't ever grow up. So he made me fall in love with the game. I always wanted buck teeth because he did. So I remember <laughs> I used to like run around like this. So my teeth would stick out. Um, but yeah, man, he's for me, <clears throat> it's him and Messi are the, uh, the two goats. So mm. anytime I get to wear this, whether it's for podcasts like this, or if I'm just walking around the house, um, I try to put it on as much as I can. That's, That's sick. Ronald Ron Dino yeah. was the first guy to to me growing up where he was like, he was like the superstar that people tried to be like, like there was yeah. Brazilian Ronaldo that like was kind of fading as we were growing up. But like Ronaldinho was like, he had the style and everyone kind of wanted to be like him. So going with the theme yeah. two in the Barca kits, got the Ronaldinho. I'm rocking it. I don't know if you could see, I'm in my mic. It's just a Nike Jersey that says Joga Bonita on it. I literally bought it from like, I don't know, soccer.com or something. It's kind of a basic like idea, but I thought it was like the sickest thing. I paid like probably way too much money for this. Doesn't matter, dude. It looks sweet. I would yeah. I would rock that. I would wear that to like men's league pickup games just to like, oh, yeah. warm up in. I wore it to uh we had an indoor game a couple, you know, a couple months ago. I wore it. Um and then of course we got the jerseys in the in the back, the custom Andrew Catalana jersey, the Ronaldinho jersey, Olympiacos jersey. Right? You're you're Greek, right? So Olympiacos yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a Patanaco, so in Greece, it's kind of like in anywhere but in America. I mean, maybe America is getting there in the MLS, right? right? But you, your family represents a team. So it's like in, in Milan, either AC Milan or Inter Milan. Yeah. So either you're, there's the three big ones are Patanaco, Olympiacos, and Pauk. So uh -huh. normally you're one of those three, two, you know, one of those three big teams. But if you live in a smaller village, then you're, you know, another team. But I'm a Patanaco fan. So um, seeing that Olympiacos jersey, my dad would be pretty upset. Uh, oh, my kid, no. but I won't tell him. Uh, but yeah, so those are, that's the team we supported all the way from my grandparents, my uncles, my dad, me, I'll pass it on to my kids and so on and so forth. That's How are they doing this season? Ah, we ain't going to talk about them right now. Oh. We don't really have to bring them <laughs> up. They're not doing so hot. Olympiacos, so 
the thing too about Greece, and again, it, it is kind of, I'll use the sport like ML Major League Baseball. No, typically the team that spends the most money has the highest payroll will win. Um, it's like that in the Greek Super League. Typically Olympiakos has the most money because they're always winning. So they typically continue to win. Pathinakos always fights for second, third, fourth. Pauk has made a big increase in their investment. So they jumped up the table. Um, but it's Greece, man. Like it's, you may not get paid for a couple months if you're not winning. It's different over there. It's not like in America. It's, it's like the, the, like you live or die with the team kind of thing. And like, it's, exactly. yeah, it's cool. So yeah, that's uh, also real quick. I know we're going off topic here. I like the FIFA cards in the background. I, I love how you gave yourself a 98, Andrew. Is that correct on the right? Uh, the other side, your left. Yeah, my right. so I'm a 98. I was the one that got it. So. And then is your brother 95? Yeah, he's still developing Damn. at that point. He hasn't quite hit his potential yet. Damn. Yeah, I have a, I have a legend. Cold. Andrew has a team of the season card with the Philadelphia Fury logo on. <laughs> but oh, I only have 85 like pace though. Chad somehow is 86. He's higher pace than me. Yeah. That's great. Who's got bigger strength? Who's got better strength? Is there strength Chad on there? 85 no. physical. I have 89 oh, yeah. physical. So of course I'm stronger, but he's got I'll a little more. I'll give you the strength. I'll give it to you. Okay, that's nice, Chad. That's very nice, you guys. <laughs> the, F- the FIFA cards so, are actually pretty cool. Like, if if there was ever like a a sponsor for the podcast, I feel like the FIFA card, the people who make those, would be a good sponsor. And like every get every guest we have, we give out like we give them like a FIFA card. That'd be pretty yeah. sweet, man. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like I said earlier, like I think one of the cool things is like Dimitri's been around the game, especially like the the lower the sub MLS level where like guys are kind of fighting for contracts. You're trying to, you know, hang on to the game and that kind of stuff. So I think there's like a lot of stories and like probably some lessons in there as well. So we'll kind of like go through that and then wherever the conversation takes us, we'll take, it'll take us. Um, Sweet. So Chad, just hop in with any questions as well. Let's start like, like where did you grow up? What kind of club and like, how did that set you up for your soccer journey? Yeah, man. Great question. Um, So I grew up in a, in the state uh, called Maine, which is not a soccer hotbed. I think there's, I can think on the top of my head, there's 10 guys that have played remotely professionally. Uh, we have one current MLS player at the moment, um, a good buddy of mine, Wyatt Onsberg. He's a center back for Chicago Fire. Uh, went to high school together. He actually drove me to academy practices because I couldn't drive. I was a young senior. Um, so I grew up in Maine, played for a club at the time, grew up as a kid. Uh, my dad also played professionally, so he got me into the game. But Played in a club called Maine Metro um, from U6, I want to say, to U13. And then they got bought by a club called Seacoast United. Mm-hmm. Um, Seacoast bought us. And then, well, they bought the club. And then from there, I kind of just rolled the Seacoast wave. So I played from U13 to U16, um, just premier. And then I got invited to go to an academy tryout down in New Hampshire. Um, played academy on and off. like Because back then, it was either you played high school or you played academy. You weren't allowed to do like both. The- the DA, the Development Academy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think now it's called MLS Next, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had in our conference like the Revs, Red Bulls. Um, back then there was a team called um, – there was two teams in New York. Now it's like NYCFC, but they got bought by those teams. Can't mm-hmm. think of the name. But So grew up playing there, and then in the summers, my 18-year-old year when I was at Bridgeton Academy, that's when I started playing MPSL. Uh, played MPSL at a really young age, youngest kid on the team. I learned a lot in those summers and then played PDL and then played in college. And by chance, it just happened that I was able to sign. I fooled one coach to sign me and pay me to kick a ball. And that's how it kind of took from there. So you said, uh, going back to like your, like kind of the, the evolution from grassroots, the Seacoast yeah. United, I, I think they yeah. used to have a PDL team. 
but did that was that like a the top club in the area and you just like moved up the levels there yeah yeah that's yeah there was only in maine after seacoast bought Maine metro there was only two teams in maine so you either played for seacoast united or gps that now folded they had some yeah. problems um mm -hmm. and seacoast is now there's only one team in maine now seacoast united um so yeah i kind of started off at the youth and then when i got into mpsl it was the seacoast mariners which was the highest level for men that they had in maine so i, I climbed all the youth ranks um and then eventually got invited to go into a training session with them went training with them and then they're like okay you can come play with us in the summer so I, I literally looking back on it now yeah i literally went from grassroots to climbed each level along the way which was pretty thinking of it now i've never thought of it it was pretty it's pretty neat to like look back and see the tree that you climbed to get where you got that's cool chad well. and i always yeah. talk about like how we wish there were more um like grassroots to to pro or semi-pro like yeah. levels like even like a an NPSL team, a USL two team, like if they really got involved in the youth and had them funnel up, like you might not be developing first team players, but you're developing fans or, or uh, like players that can aspire to, to get to that level. And it probably like being in Maine, you probably saw the first team. I was like, wow, like the first team was NPSL. I, I remember I went to um, an NPSL game when I was 15 with my dad and we're standing there and my dad kind of said to me, cause my first language is Greek. So he said to me in Greek, like, you think you could play here? And being 15 and a cocky kid, I was like, yeah, like I'll go get my cleats from the car. And I'll never forget there's a 50-50 ball. And this kid just, I think they were playing. They might have been playing actually, because Seacoast had an NPSL team too in New Hampshire. They might have been playing the Phantoms. Mm -hmm. And uh, this kid came in for 50-50, like studs up, just absolutely went through this guy. And I remember looking at my dad and like looking down at my skinny ankles at the time. And I was like, mm, this, I don't think so. <laughs> like, no way. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think the more that they have, like, I know FC Motown, they have a pretty good youth, you know, system there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the more that the, they have that like USL league two or MPSL and they promote it and they show it and they allow you to go watch the guys play or train or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they invite younger kids. I think it's just like anything else, like going to the first team. I mean, yes, you're not getting paid. You're not making a living off of it, but if you have a chance to get there, it's like, I started off playing for this club at U5. And all these coaches that coach me are now coming to watch me play at this semi-pro level. So I think I couldn't agree more. I think it would develop so many more players, mm -hmm. have so many more fans. Um, and it just brings it like a community closer together. Yeah. For sure. Like, well, I think about this all the time because like when people talk about promotion relegation or that kind of thing in the U S like in other countries, you probably see it in Greece, there's so many clubs that they can have youth teams that focus on the long-term player development because they're trying to develop first team players or sell them on in a yeah. club like that they kind of they don't have an incentive to just take your money and run at the youth level because right. they're trying to develop first team players um so like if there were more of those whether they're mls level usl level or even like a team like fc motown that plays in npsl and usl too they're not trying to just take your money and run they're trying to develop players and a culture for their first team and i, I don't know chad have you played for fc motown no, but we've no. played against them in uh, in the past, and I know yeah. they just had a partnership with an already established youth club, which is called I, I believe STA. Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. the name of it. So then yeah. they formed like some partnership there. That's awesome. I think um, coming from again Andrew and Chad, obviously feel free to chime in. I think the more that you have those type of clubs, I think two things happen. I think one when you see a bunch of kids promote, get promoted to, you know, they sign on to play division one schools, you know, a lot, I, I know FC Motown has a quite a bit division one guys. Mm -hmm. uh, when you see people go through a youth team and you see 
I'll use wide as an example. We all watched him get, you know, he signed with Dartmouth and then he was an All-American and blah, you know, so on and so forth. When you see that, there's more kids, younger kids that are like, well, if this kid from Maine can play in the MLS, well, why can't I? And then that kid's going to want to train and be better and so on. It just raises the game. Do I also think that the other positive to it too is then it, it looks at the, the parents can see like, well, this kid doesn't have to just sleep, breathe, and eat soccer all day. It's okay if he plays basketball. It's all right if he goes and and, and plays baseball on the weekends too. Like mm-hmm. Wyatt played – I mean, he was a soccer head, but I'll use Wyatt as an example. He came through GPS, went all the way through, went Region 1, uh, went to Dartmouth. And I remember so many kids would come and watch us play PDL in the summers just because he was there. <laughs> like dude, We would get like 100 fans. 88 of them were kids. Yeah, <laughs> like because he was a local guy or he was the – me and him were the local kids, but he had yeah. a bigger name. And they're like, well, why I can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And it just wanted more kids to play. More kids took it seriously. And it just raised the club to be even better than it was. And the more youth teams that can partner with a PDL or USL League 2 or MPSL, mm-hmm. the more kids you'll see there be like, well, now I want to do that. And I think that is what the game needs in America, especially, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. more kids striving to play, you know, USL League 2, which – is a heck of a league. I know you guys both played in it or are still playing in it. It's a pretty good league. Um, there's a lot of ex pros. The more people that aspire to play, even play in that man, like the, mm-hmm. the better off America will be as a country moving forward for sure. Yeah. I, I really believe in the, uh, like, even if they don't like, even if a club, like we, we just played this summer with Atlantic city FC, they might not have yeah. ambitions to go full pro or whatever, but like, even if they have ambitions to be something like that, has a chain reaction down the line if they have the ambition to like help the youth at that level as well. And you'll see that. And did you think like growing up in Maine, if there was no first team, uh, would it have been a worse uh, like youth experience? Like, like would you have still developed into that player? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, honestly, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and I've never thought of that. To be fair with you guys, both of you and your brother and Chad, um, I think I was really lucky the fact that my dad had really played at a high level too. So my dad played for the T-Men, uh, which were the Revs now. He was the third string goalkeeper, played at BU also, um, played in Greece when he was a kid and so on. I think a lot of it came, I was fortunate enough to have him in my ear growing up as a kid. Um, so I had him in my ear, but at the same time, I think if I didn't have that like MPSL team to look up to or like wanted to aspire to be, I don't think it would have changed anything. I think my route to trying to be a pro player, you know, even if it was third division, whatever it was, Mm. um, it would have definitely been harder for sure. So probably I would have never been able to do it. Um, But I don't know. I, 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 that's a really good question, man. That's a really hard question to to answer you. I don't think so, but at the same time, I, I, that's the route that I took. So I don't, I don't have any other experience. Yeah. I think about that kind of of stuff all the time, just because like, yeah, I'm coaching kids. It's like, well, what experience am I giving them? And what experience right. is like on the table for them? Like if they get to a right. certain level, like are there opportunities for them to, to, to go take, to go try out for this team or go move to this team or, or whatever. So I, I just always think about that. And I think that's the question that U S soccer as a whole needs to continue to answer. Yeah. There's never just one answer. It's just right. like, if we give a kid this experience versus this experience, how's he going to develop? And everyone kind of develops differently, but yeah, that's what I was going to, I was going to say the same thing too. Like, and Chad, again, feel free to cut me off and chime in. Um, every, like you just mentioned, Andrew, every kid develops differently. Like mm-hmm. I could be sitting at this table right now and I'm back home in Maine right now with my parents. 
I could be here and be like, I didn't play organized soccer till I was 17, but I played in the MLS for 10 years, right? Let's just say that was a story. Yeah. And Andrew, you could have been playing youth soccer since you were four, and Chad could have got signed at 21 because he was playing in a men's league team and an agent saw him. Like, mm. there's no, like, right or wrong development at all, and I think that's the best thing about this game. It's a game of opinions. I have a different opinion than the way you play it, than Chad may want to play it, than your high school coaches, and yeah. there's no right or wrong answer. I think – the negative thing about U.S. soccer at the moment is there's too many people that think that they their answer or their thought is the right thought. Yeah, uh, 100%. And, like, yeah, it could be their answer or thought on a ton of – way too many topics as well. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. youth, the youth people, they got to get involved in the youth. The – I don't know, the, the business people, they got to stay in the business. Like, you can't have the right. business people running the youth and you can't have the, uh, the pro club people trying to run other sections and it's – I think it's a mess because the, the people who shouldn't have a hand in things do have a hand. Yeah. Uh, no, spot on, man. Yeah. That's a spot on. I, I couldn't agree more. So moving on to like the next level, so you yeah. play NPSL going into your freshman year of college, like talk us yep. through like college as a whole. What do you think you got out of it? What did you miss? And like, how did you take the next step to like, bro? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so I went to Wheaton college in North Massachusetts. Um, mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to play under, um, a gentleman by the name of Matt Cushing, who has um, sadly passed away. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the things that I took away from it, and I think if you talk to any of the guys that I was actually just the last time I played actually before last time I played soccer was last year in October. I was on trial with Flower City uh, Union and Nisa hadn't played till then. And then we had a Wheaton alumni soccer event and I got to go play again. It was awesome. But the thing I took away from, from my college experience, we won, by the way, we beat the local the, the uh -huh. team, which is never good. Um, the thing that uh, I took away from that was one, the, how physical it was like almost physicality for no reason. That was part one, part two, all the excessive running that we did for no reason. Like, why do I have to go run? We played man to man, Andrew and Chad, we played a four, three, three. We played man to man in the center of the field. Meaning I had number eight. I ran wherever number eight went. So if I'm number eight on the other team and I know this number 16 kid is going to follow me around, what do you think that kid is going to do? He's going to run to the bathroom and I'm just going to stand next to him. And all that space is going to be left there. You better be waiting um, outside the stall. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. To be. It's low key a trend no. in college soccer. Like one of my coaches experimented with that in a, in a spring season, <clears throat> excuse me. And like, I've seen it done before. And the, actually the, the earthquakes, San Jose earthquakes tried it. Matias Almeida, he just got fired obviously, but it, it's weird. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so it, it, it definitely work. didn't work. But yeah, like I I felt that too. And to me, like that always came across as like the coach or the like either some of my coaches in college or the teams that I'm watching in college just don't have like a an identity that they want to play towards yeah. or yeah. they have an identity and they just lose it because they're so focused on like winning the game. The game. Right. So couldn't agree more. So the things, again, physicality for no reason, running for no reason. Um, and then the people that I met there, like we had a kid – we had a couple of guys I'm going to mention here. We had a, um, the, our captain my freshman year who ended up playing in Germany. Um, Andrew, I think you know Luke Finkelstein. Um, played for the, the Fury also. Yeah, he was there before yeah. I got there, but I've heard the name before. Yeah, so he was a, my, he was a senior my freshman year. Hmm. Just loved – he was a worker, man. We used to train all the time. There was kids also there like Mateo Goncavales who ended up playing pro in Brazil. Hmm. Um, we had an a all-time leading goal scorer, Travis Blair, who ended up playing pro in ASL also. Went on some trials in the USL Championship. Um, and then we had guys that didn't play after college, but Brian Kenny was one, his IQ, he, not only was his IQ really high, but he was very mouthy. 
So like we'd be thinking the same thing and then he would go tell Cushing, our coach yeah. at the time, like we should do this because I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah. I'm a freshman. Um, so the, the, those, the people I met were the biggest thing I took away from college. And I think the relationships you make in college, because you're all slumming it out, right? You all have no money. You're yeah. all eating garbage food and you are just hanging out, doing nothing. Yeah. It's the only time in your life I didn't drink in college, but it's the only time in your life when you can be an unemployed alcoholic and your parents are proud of you. It's the only time in your life. Like it, it is. Let's think of yeah. it. Like think of it. You have no job, you have no money, but you drink every weekend. It's the only time in your life when your parents are like, that's my son. I'm so <laughs> proud that he's my son. It's yeah, the only go time. Yeah, go get him. Um, yeah. So those are the things, man. The, the things I took. And then I couldn't agree more. Like if you also were to look at the big picture and you guys both played college, we played a year's worth of college soccer that mattered in four years while we were there because the season's three months long yeah. so i'm no mathematician three times four is 12 there's 12 months in a year that's one year so yeah. and every, you're playing a game every three days development wasn't great yeah. it was not good at all i didn't develop much in college other than in the weight room um all my learning i did and all the things i got were on my own touches training by myself running in the morning um everything i had to do on my own but yeah i think it was a mix it was a bunch of good and a, and, and some bad for sure and I think the system, again, going back to the United States soccer and if college wants to stay relevant as we continue to go to MLS next and so on, they got to go to a full season. It has to be a full season. It can't be three months anymore. It's got to be eight, nine months. It has to be. Yeah. It has for sure. What, you, what about you guys? What's your guys' experience in college? What was your experience? The, the, pretty pretty much the same. I know they're voting on the, the fall, spring season too. Yep. Um, I, I felt the same way. Like to me, I was a late developer in soccer so like i was never one of the better ones growing up part of that was like maybe i wasn't in the right environment and like in college i don't think i found that environment either but like it, it gave me time to like play for something meaningful like obviously doing something yeah. important in school play for something meaningful and uh like it let me figure things out right so i'd go into a season thinking like i trained so hard i did this but it doesn't really translate to the games or like I think we're going to play, I don't know, left back. So I just work on playing left back all the time, but that's not really how the game works. You can't isolate right. yourself in the game. And then yeah. like you get one bad stretch, stretch of games or an injury or like lose confidence and like 75% of your season's gone. And, right. you know, and you don't have enough time to figure it out because you're not training and competing all the time in, in practice Yeah. or, you know, what about you? Chad? What your young buck. He just got done college. So what yeah, do you think? Chad? Yeah. Where'd you go? I went to Immaculata University in Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. So right off the bat, I, I started getting minutes playing in all the games and stuff. But, you know, it's kind of Division three level. No one really takes it as serious, you know, if you, if you get on someone at practice. You know, like, it's like, why are you yelling at me? It's like, I, I just yeah. mean, like, the competition is – not not really there but i know uh, i know right now they're um they did they did vote for uh that some ncaa rules to change i know they mm -hmm. took away overtime no overtime in the regular season for all NCAA. Huh. yeah huh. what are they gonna do now just end in a tie yeah regular season games end in a tie playoff games go two 10 minute halves no more golden goal Golden goal what? is college soccer. Like that's the definition yeah, no, of college soccer. It literally is college soccer. So and no more golden goal. So what is it? Just PKs now? After ten minutes? Two yep. ten minutes? Two ten what? minutes and then penalty kicks. Oh yeah. my days! That's terrible. I would love to see college soccer go to throughout the fall 
maybe hit Thanksgiving, go month, month and a half break, winter yeah. break. I mean, tons of it, leagues in Europe do that already, like Germany. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right back in for the spring, you know. It would be just like the old um, – I don't know if you guys remember the old the old NASL schedule. That's what the old NASL schedule used to be like. It used to be just like a European. I know Nisa kind of is trying to – model. they did model it, but then they just switched to uh, the same thing as USL Championship. Mm-hmm. But I, I think development-wise, like I personally believe, and, and I have a, you know some friends that are coaching in college, and, and this isn't a knock to them. I, I truly think as MLS Next grows and more and more kids sign youth you know homegrown contracts – I think it's going to be just like in Europe. Like, yeah, you can go play college, like go ahead, have fun, but you're not going to sign a pro contract after. I think if they don't adapt to the times, I think college soccer will eventually be extinct mm-hmm. in the sense of you're not going to, maybe you get one or two players out of college now, as opposed to you have a draft or you're drafting 50 kids. Right. Um, I think that's the path that if we, if, if a country like the United States, which we should be competing and got, you know, they made a world cup, so credit to them. And um, they've done wonderful steps in that regard for them to continue to develop more players at a higher rate, they have to change the college model. Like you can't, you can't have a three month season and then be like, all right, go play nine months with a bunch of pros and bringing in guys like Chicharito and, and um, you know, having these type of guys come in from big Spain, you know, like Benzema, Iguain, whatever, you know? Um, so I think it has to change. And I think the three of us have just mentioned a lot of the flaws Mm-hmm. about college soccer especially at division three level i think again i think we could all agree the best thing about playing college soccer is the people that you met and, yeah, and the connection is like playing all the time like damn man you're playing all the time and i think the craziest thing too about college soccer at least in my experience with, with coach cushing again god rest his soul is his whole philosophy was i'm going to make you guys all kind of crazy we're not going to be the prettiest team but we're going to get results yeah. And you're not all going to like me. You're, you're one thing you guys are all going to have in common is you guys are all going to dislike me. You're going to talk about me. And, and that's how we became closer. And it's kind of like uh, he did a wonderful job. Like the guy was an amazing person off the field. And I don't mean to talk about him. Uh, again, he has passed away. So I kind of want to give him a shout out. But yeah, man, I think college sports, especially the soccer realm, it's completely different than football, basketball, hockey. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different sport. So it, it, it's needed to have different uh, – you know, develop players differently than those others for sure. I also want to sure. say real quick, uh, I, yeah. I think it is cool what MLS teams are doing. Like, you know, if some of these uh, players in MLS academies get to the age of 18, 19, got to decide if they go to college or maybe they can't stick around with the first team. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll go to a top college and it'll kind of be like yeah. a loan because yeah. they'll have the right, the MLS teams will have the rights. For that right. to come back <laughs> loans from the no. university of virginia or something or like wake forest yeah. we've seen it all the time at the union like the union yeah have a few players out playing college they'll come back maybe mm-hmm. the That's- only bad thing about that though is and andrew i didn't mean to cut you off the only thing that i have a couple of buddies that have been in that situation um one of them i ended up playing with at Stumptown when i was on trial there he had his rights owned by another mls team and then when he went on trial with inter miami he was on trial with their USL League One team, and they wouldn't allow him to sign a contract there because they owned his rights. So they had no intention of signing this kid, mm-hmm. but he was on trial with Inter Miami, and Inter Miami wanted to sign him, but did not want to pay the rights fee to get him. So it was like fifteen grand. Yeah. But they're yeah. like, why would I pay fifteen grand for this kid? I can go sign a homegrown kid for eight hundred bucks a month. This kid's mm-hmm. asking for two, and they want me to pay fifteen grand for this guy. Like, who is this kid? Mm-hmm. So I think it is cool for sure, but I think it also, again, the business side of the soccer. Um, 
they're, they're not just going to let their homegrown guys that they have rights to, to, you know, go someplace else. Right. So yeah. I think again, that has to be sorted. I'm not in the, in the rooms every day talking about that, but I think that is pretty cool to be honest. That is pretty sweet. Chad, yeah. For sure. That's uh like, I think, uh, college soccer will, I think will get fixed or like at least, um, they'll come up with some solution that's better than what it is now. But right. I think there's also like, there's room for, college soccer in the ecosystem, whether like people, yeah. not everyone's ready to go pro. And I think you see a lot of these teams that pop up in like these kind of year long amateur leagues, like a UPSL yeah. that they'll just go play instead of go to college soccer, which is okay. Like not everyone wants to go to college and play. And maybe there's two different paths, but like, I think college could do a better job of like getting on that, on that path. And I've actually heard teams or people talk about like, what if we got, okay, take like the ACC. What if Duke and North Carolina soccer teams were part of the U.S. soccer ecosystem and they like played against like NISA teams or USL championship yeah. teams? Or what if like a team, for example, there's uh, I think Appalachian State, they're, they cut mm -hmm. their college soccer program, but some guy started um, Appalachian FC, the yeah. NPSL team, yeah. which is actually sick branding. It's like what if these colleges, like they're not going to drop out of the NCAA, but what if somebody – like kind of, they started their own like club based around the college team. There, there's just like a lot of different possibilities that could right. be better. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, who? Knows? I mean, again, I, I there's so many cool things that you can do within this game, and I think the United States as a whole, as a soccer federation, are just starting to figure out all the gaps that they can, you know, kind of fill it and, and the routes they can go for sure. And it, like sure. By, by filling in the gaps, you got that right because there's there's no right answer right now, and no. a lot of times like. Like, I really like what Nice is doing or USL League One or NPSL, but that might not be the same in 10 years. But because they took the step to try and get there, it'll it'll work out in, in 15 and 20 years. It'll be because they took those steps now. Yeah. yeah. I, Andrew, you know, we were at the uh, the front runners of, of NISA. You know that, correct? You know, uh, we were like the first club in NISA. We were on the, you on know, the website, no, if, man. If you, if you, I know, seriously, if you think about it, though, ASL, what ASL was and mm. what it ended up, they took that model and ended up making Nisa out of it, which was, uh, unfortunately, we can get into that. You know, we can go to the next topic, but yeah. uh, I'll save that till we get there. I'll save that. Hold on. I'll save yeah, that. so let's go to the next. So after, so yeah. you graduate from college, yep. um, like what was the next step? And do you think you were equipped for that next step? Like, were you a, were you a standout in college and the fact that like people were like, Oh wow, Dimitri's going to the next level. And were you no, actually prepared I, for that? No, I, I, I kind of like you, Andrew, I was a little bit of a late bloomer. Mm -hmm. um, I was, I'm a, I, I still am a very firm believer that your feet are just tools and your brain is the one that does all the work in this game where a lot of people, it's the other way around. Your feet are the one that are the thinkers and your brain doesn't matter. If you can run and kick it far, you're yeah. good kind of thing. Um, which ticks me off. So mm -hmm. in college, in the summers, I was playing PDL, which is now USL League Two. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of was at a, at a game again. Again, I'm going to use Wyatt because, again, shout out Wyatt. Uh, great career. Go check him out if you don't know him. Mm -hmm. Awesome dude. Salt of the earth guy. Uh, there were a game that we played against. I played against him. He was playing for the Seagulls Phantoms. We were losing three, four, nothing. Um, I ended up playing. I was playing in that game, and I, I guess I had a good game. There was a couple agents there to watch him. Um, the agent that didn't, that he did not end up signing on with, if I'm not mistaken, ended up reaching out to myself mm -hmm. and got me a trial with the New York Cosmos, which were in the NASL at the time. Um, they ended up, when I got there, um, ended up going into another league and so on. But that was my next step. So I went from 
the funny story about that is like, I remember I was in the cafeteria, got this, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I get a call from like an unknown number, I just decline it. Like I don't, yeah. I don't answer it. But the unknown number like called me three times in a row. So on the third call I picked up and he's like, Hey, this is Tony Porch. Um, who was my agent. Um, you know, I, I got you a trial with the Cosmos. You got to be there on, on Monday. And it was Thursday. And I was like, well, how am I getting there? And he's like, I'll take care of everything. Just drive there. You have a place to stay, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so I walked into that locker room and the head coach at the time was Carlos Mendez had a heck of a career for the New York Red Bulls, put over 250 MLS games, actually has a street named after him in Long Island. Awesome. Awesome guy. And in that locker room um, was a, a, a prominent person by the name of Danny Zatella. I don't know if that name sounds familiar to you guys or not. Yeah. Um, he p- played for the U S national team, um, played in the MLS, played over in, played over in, um, in La Liga, uh, I'm going to get up his thing right here so I can have all the correct information played over in La Liga played. Um, let's see. I'm just sorry. So he played for the Columbus crew played in La Liga for race in D center and the, uh, La, in La Liga then played in Sierra B played for DC United and then ended up coming to uh, New York Cosmos. Um, and then he played for our national team. I think he made four or five caps um, and he was over there. And, and then we had Chris Winger who was also there just retired from playing for Real Salt Lake had 300 games. I remember him. Um, yeah. So those are the guys in that locker room. So I remember the first day I walked in and this is my first day there, Andrew. And I was fortunate enough to sit next to Danny. We also had Bledy. Bledy was there too. Um, prominent MPSL New York, you know, player around there. And he, Danny kind of sat me down and I'm sitting next to Danny and he's like, Hey man, like, how are you liking it? And then my response was like, yeah, it's so far. I literally was there for an hour. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Like the facilities were awesome. Mm-hmm. How do you think you're going to get into the starting 11? And I was like, I, I think I'm just going to have to work hard. And, and, you know, if I get there, I, you know, I get there. And he's like, what position do you play? And I was like, I play holding center man. He's like, well, I do too. And I'm the captain. <laughs> and he was like, and this wasn't him trying to be rude. This was him yeah. trying to show me like, this is the world you're entering. And he was like, you know, I, this is how I feed my family. This is how I pay my bills. He's like, mm-hmm. do you think I'm going to give you my shirt off my back and say, here you go, Dimitri play. And that was my first enter into pro sports was this is a dog eats dog world. No one's here to hold your hand like in a college. Um, and was I ready for it mentally? I thought I was as in the sense of like what it's like to be a pro, meaning you're waking up at eight, you're training from 10 to 1130. You have lunch, breakfast before, and then the rest of your day, you do nothing. Mm-hmm. Mentally, I thought I could handle all that alone time. I just ended up playing a lot of video games, taking a lot of naps, staying up way too late for no reason. Um, IQ wise in the level of soccer, I think I, it was, it's exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, there was an adjustment period. The level of play was through the roof. We had a guy by the name of Jonathan Neekins who was there played his father played for Barcelona. He grew up in Amsterdam. You know, when you hit a long ball, Andrew and Chad with your laces and you hear that pop of a ball and you mm-hmm. see the ball just take off the foot. He was doing that with the inside of his foot. Like he would hit the ball that hard. He had the ability to hit the ball on the ground that hard with the inside of his foot. And to me, that was phenomenal. Like I, I couldn't understand it. Um, but yeah, that was the next step. That was the first step I took to the New York Cosmos. Had a great time there. Phenomenal learning lessons. I learned what it was like to be a pro. I got to watch Danny train every day and I never saw him lose the ball in my five months there. I don't think he, he might've lost the ball one time. Uh, probably my fault giving him a shit pass <laughs> and it lost it. Um, so I learned so much for sure. When I started to really get into soccer, like obviously the union coming around helped that U S national team. So I would follow a lot of these teams on Twitter and yeah. like soccer writers and stuff. So I ended up like learning a lot just about like other teams and like 
ended up following yeah. the Cosmos because I thought it was cool. I didn't really know much about the NASL. But what I now that you're saying this, now that I realize it, like the, the Cosmos were like an outside of the box team compared to other U.S. teams. It was very much like a European based, like mm-hmm. like they would fit in well in Europe in terms of like I think how they went about like their player recruitment. Their owner was yeah. always on the forefront of like trying to get promotion relegation and like thinking like more outside the box, very like anti establishment with the MLS. So I think they ran their club like a European team would. So it makes sense that they have these guys that are above the level. They had, dude, we had the owner of the Cosmos. He still owns the team now. His name is Rocco. He obviously bought Florentina Mm -hmm. um, in Italy. Um, And he, at the moment, I think he's in uh, a lawsuit still with the United States Soccer Federation because He's trying to get promotion relegation. And I think he also offered to buy, uh, I want to say the TV rights to the MLS. Or might yeah. have, I, mean, I think he offered to buy the TV rights or maybe the, the league of MLS. I don't know exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but he offered to buy something of the MLS. And they said no, because his whole thing was, I'll buy it and I will run it. Yeah. And it'll be fine. But I want promotion relegation. And it, it was fair off. value too. He offered like a good price for, I think it was like the Soccer United marketing, like, tv deal because yeah. it wasn't that much yeah. he was like no i'll buy it we'll institute promotion relegation they just like said no but it was a it, deal. yeah it was a great deal i mean and that was my situation at the cosmos like we had again man we had another guy by the name of junior bogas who was there alexis Vidya, who was there he played for the national team mm-hmm. um, he signed an nasl contract at 16 like we had there were so many guys we had this kid by the name of ruben bover who's now back in spain playing in the second division mm-hmm. this guy looked like he was 16 years old 16 Guys, he would run not all the whole game, always be in the right spot. He was playing as a 10. He would pick up his head. He would be the one going to get the ball from the goalkeeper in the buildup. Mm-hmm. Then, then he would play the ball wide. Then he would be the one tapping the ball in back post. He was phenomenal. Like the level of players there, granted, I played seven games in, in my five months. Majority of my time, I was having hot dogs and popcorn in the stands. Yeah. But um, I, I like just everyday training there was just unreal. Like it mm-hmm. was – I. I I didn't even really complain, man. Like I, I was just happy to be there. Um, so it that was, was so like, awesome. So that was that right after college, and then from there, is I, I that left, how you got to the Fury? No, I left school early, so I, I left. Uh, I was commuting, so my last two months at Wheaton College, I was doing all my work online, mm-hmm. um, like emailing my professors all my work. So I would be on campus from Monday, and then Tuesday morning, I would jump in my car, drive the three hours to Long Island make training Tuesday, train Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, play Saturday. Sunday was recovery day, typical of the time. And then drive back Sunday night to Wheaton, go to my classes on Monday, wake up Tuesday at like 5.30 in the morning, drive down to Long Island, make the 8 a.m. breakfast that we had, and then train Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, play game Sunday, go back, you know, recover, whatever we had to do. Oh, always something Sunday, They always, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And then so I was doing this for two months. So I would be on campus for one day see all my professors, give them all the work, tell them how it's going and then drive down to Long Island and train with the Cosmos. Um, and that's what I did for two months. And then from there, they were again in the NASL when I joined them and then they, that league folded. So then they went to MPSL, um, was there for that time. And then when that ended, they joined like the NISA founders cup, which yeah. was like that next. And they didn't pick up, they didn't pick me up for that. Um, I ended up going over to Greece uh, my parents were going on vacation and my mom and dad said, Hey, you know, I, you know, you had a good time there. Why don't you come over here? My dad knew someone at the, you know, the, they were in the first division. 
Um, the owner ran out of money, which is you'll find out pretty typical as the story goes on in Greece. They ended up having to drop to third division, and I went on trial with them and ended up staying there for a little bit. One good experience. Um, the club was ran. This is actually probably the funniest story I have. One of them is so we go to we're, we're on an island. We're on the island of Lesbos, where my family's from, mm-hmm. um, and we're training in Metilini, which is like the city. And we would train up at this local grass field on the top of the mountain. So we'd have to go up to the top of the mountain and there was a gate around the field, which then would lead to another gate, which then would lead to the locker room. So training started in Greece. We trained at five 30 because of how hot it was. You had to be there. You had to be there at four o'clock, had to be there an hour and a half before. So, okay, perfect. So we show up at four o'clock. The equipment manager doesn't have the key for us to get through the gate. Now, the equipment manager, all he had to do was go down the hill to back to the, to the city in Metilini, go to the clubhouse, which was less than half a mile, guys. I could have walked there in 10 minutes, get the key, ride back up. But being Greece and how they operate, he's calling the people at the clubhouse. There's no one there because everyone that would be in the clubhouse is at training. <laughs> so obviously no one's there to answer the phone. Dude, guys, we stood there for an hour waiting for the key. Finally, someone shows up with the key, comes up, unlocks the first gate. Well, they forgot the second key to the next gate. So now, now it's 5.30. We haven't even gotten to the training ground. So then we finally get in at 6 o'clock. We go in. We start changing. The equipment manager forgot our stuff and our shorts, okay? No soccer socks. So we had no socks to wear at the, 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 like the stadium because that's where the laundry room was. Guys, we trained in, a, in our spandex, no shorts. Uh, the t-shirt that I wore to the ground because <laughs> he forgot everything yeah. and my cleats with no socks on them. The coach, <laughs> the coach was so upset with the situation. He tried to do tactical stuff. They didn't turn the lights on. I couldn't see the ball, but he's yelling at us in Greek, where to be, where to stand, where we're supposed to do. I'm like, guys, this is a, this, that's how it was. That's how it was ran. So yeah. I played there. Um, Just throwing you the fire. If you, if you know where to be without, without having to look, you'll, you'll know, uh, You'll know where to I be, see, definitely. Dude, we had we had blisters. Uh, imagine twenty five year old, twenty five men, grown men, running around in spandex, getting yelled at by some old Greek guy who would smoke a cigarette occasionally on the field, talking about tactics, and there's no lights on. That might be how I think about Greece. You know, before you told <laughs> the story, so like I don't know. Um, what so division? There, yeah. What division was this at the time? And like, what? How was the okay. level compared to like what was the level to oh. the U.S. Yeah, great question. Um, so at the time, it was third division A. So in Greece, they do first division, obviously, Greek Super League. Mm-hmm. And then second division, second division group A, and then second division group B. So you have two groups in the second division. So if you win group B, you go to group A. And then obviously, mm-hmm. bottom on group A, go down to B, whatever. And then group A, the first three teams, go up to first division. And they have promotion relegation. We were in the third division group A. And the reason they got down to the third division wasn't because they lost, because the year prior, they were in the Greek Super League. It's because the owner of the Greeks, the team last the year prior had lost all his money. Uh, didn't have any money. Didn't want to do it anymore. So he just abandoned the club. And that's a, that's a rule. It's against the rules. You can't just leave the team. So the team got relegated. He didn't care. Um, so we're third division A. The greatest I – met, I, I met some great players there. There was one kid by the name of Nico. I don't know where he's playing now. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years. Amazing number 10. Like he was so smooth, so elegant, super skinny. Mm-hmm. The difference, the main thing was I, the, my, my second day there, I played a long ball. 
over the top, typically for a winger in America to run on to, and it's a great ball. Like, everyone's like, sick ball, Chad. Well yeah. done, Andrew. Like, good idea. Right? Good ball. Like, yeah, yeah, great channel ball. They loved it in America. So I'm thinking it's a great ball. Like, I'm waiting to get praise from the coach. And I just hear him yell, then which means we don't do that here. Mm-hmm. They wanted everything to feed. So the whole game was, I'm don't, if I don't have to run, I'm not going to run. Everything was the feet. Everything was a, a hard pass into a set, then to a short pass, and you start again. So the IQ was through the roof, made it so much easier to play. Um, the level of standard of players were phenomenal. Like their first touch on the ball, no one had a bad first touch. No one ever forced anything. The whole concept of using the goalkeeper in Greece was so much higher. Like the keeper always was on the ball, was such an important part of the buildup, such an important part of the restart phase. Um, we used to we used to do this drill where he would put the the coach would put the back four the goalkeeper the two we played with the four two three one mm-hmm. so we had two windshield wipers or number sixes and then he would put six guys five guys to come press us mm-hmm. and he would literally would we went over this over and over it was like this cue where like if let's say I'm the number six dropping in between the center backs mm-hmm. I would get it into my feet and if there was no striker coming to press me my first option wasn't to turn it wasn't to go to center back. It was to go right back to the goalkeeper. And we were waiting for them to jump to press, and then we would play through the press. Yeah. So it was complete opposite. It was like, okay, like it was a cat and mouse game. I'm going to try to bite you into a space you don't want to go to, and then I'm going to zip the ball where you just left it, and then we can go. Um, so overall, the level was, in my opinion, was so much better. The, That's a the, cool little, like, little piece there because I think – you know, people have like different ways to see the game and like, I don't want to generalize like American soccer, but like, that's something you just don't think about. And like, I think in other places, other cultures, like maybe it is in the U S that's like the, the tactical piece. People just think tactics is like, Oh, when he gets the ball, you move here. But like, there's a whole, like you're trying to suck them in and like there's cues and different, like if you play in that kind of culture all the time, you're thinking, let me pass it back to the goalie to restart, to suck them in. And we know where we're going to go after that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's that's pretty interesting to me to hear. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's that's what it was. So overall, to answer your question, the, the level was so, so high. Um, tactically was so good. Um, IQ for everyone there was awesome. Fitness levels. They hated running. So it was so awesome to be there. Like preseason was a joke. Like our fitness was like a 10 minute jog around the field every day. Yeah. <laughs> like It was awesome. Um, but yeah, overall, it was a great experience, and I wouldn't trade it for for anything because I learned a lot there too. And um, just just the, it's a different life there, man. It it was so much easier, so much more relaxed. Results are definitely wanted, but at the same time, it's about how you get the results more so just the result in itself. Um, the coach was really a big proponent on we get results by playing this way, yeah. or we don't want the result at all. Um, so it was it was pretty neat. It was pretty fun to experience, and and yeah, it was it was awesome. That's cool. And then, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing your best experience comes next. Uh, you no, know, my best. In New my, Jersey, yeah. South, uh, Philadelphia, Jerry. Yeah. I ended up there on a whim and I actually remember I, my situation in Greece kind of unfolded, not the way I wanted it to. Hmm. And I remember I shot Matt driver a text message cause he was trying to get me to come to fury before I went to Greece and I was in the airport in Athens and I just got cell service back. Mm-hmm. and uh, I texted him saying hey man you know I'm on my way back to America it didn't work out here in Greece is there you know do you have a spot and he called me in Athens mm-hmm. I don't know what time it was there because I'm eight hours ahead yeah. 
and uh, called me. He's like, Hey, can you come to the Fury next week? I'll send you your contract in the mail, in the email. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, I sure, like I didn't really have any time. And I remember I stayed at his house for the first month. I stayed in Matt Driver's house. I stayed in his house with his wonderful wife. God bless her. Right. Hey, uh, buddy, how are you? Yeah, how are you? Stay hey, in my how house. Are you yeah, come stay in my house. Sick <laughs> house, by the way. Super cool uh, house. Um, yeah, so I, I can't. I remember my our third day there. We went over like this defensive shape, and he was yelling at me because I wasn't sprinting fast enough to get in between the center backs to like cover to break the passing lane. And I was like, I don't need a sprint there. Just have the other guy like. It was it was it was a culture shock uh, coming back to the states, but yeah, that's why I met you. That's why I met a lot of other cool guys we had there. Uh, we had a really good time, but that I, I love that experience because it it is the epitome of minor league soccer. Um, we're yeah. all making crap money. We were all doing a bunch of things we didn't want to do. We we had a great coach. I think his name was Christopher Carroll, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Carl. amazing. Yeah, amazing person. Legend, legend yeah. of the game. Amazing guy. Amazing coach understood the game he's actually an indoor systems. like legend like indoor soccer he's he, a legend he is a legend he's a legend in indoor yeah um we had a him um and i remember the tra- like it, it, to be fair with both of you that's when i realized it was a job yeah going to philly made me realize that this is a job because there were more times than not that i did not want to go train mm-hmm. there and i never felt that before um that's when it became like a career like this became a job it was cool it was fun um, but yeah, I was in Egg Harbor Township. Represent Egg Harbor. Let's go. <laughs> That's a far drive, too. Dude, it was an hour each way every day. I had to go through like ten tolls, dude. It was terrible. Uh, we were at the what was the thing called? We trained at <laughs> total total turf. Oh my god, I'm man. there a lot was, now. I, I coached there, played in men's leagues there now too. So, dude, I remember it was like 30 degrees, and they have that beautiful indoor turf right there. Yeah. And he was like, "Nope, we're outside." We're, we're outside. Like, we didn't rent the turf. We didn't pay oh. extra for that. Oh, and like, like, dude, I'm pretty on. sure I explained most of this stuff on on here before, like in like the early, early episodes of the podcast. But like the, the way I got hooked up with the Fury was like, like I was still trying to play as well. And like yeah, I did some yeah. tryouts. I figured it was a local team. Let me make connections, that kind of stuff. But like right. I was still in, in grad school, too. So I was like going to classes. That's right. That's and right. they most of the guys on the team coached to make like some extra money. Yeah, especially when we weren't really in like a league, like that's how a lot of the guys made some money. So I would coach like a couple nights a week, and I then remember like, that. I did like my schoolwork the other the other couple nights, and like it was just, yeah, it was a lot for those guys. Especially a lot of the guys came like yourself. You come from another situation, like a probably a higher level of playing, and you're like, oh crap, I got I got a coach tonight just to like mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. some money, and like we're training mm-hmm. really hard, and like as a coach now, I think back of like those to those training sessions like we first of all i thought the trainings were really good for most mm-hmm. of the time and yeah. the players we had that uh, level that fall were like really good we had some good players man we had I mean, miles like, was very good miles yeah. was very good like you some like i think like some usl usl caliber players like nisa caliber players like there's still a lot of guys that still still play as well yeah like we we had uh, he's made a, quite a career of himself. Actually, I, was, I visited him in Florida for Gasparilla. Uh, Travis Warts. Do you remember mm-hmm. Travis? Like, he's now signed with FC Chattanooga over in Nisa. Um, and I joke with him all the time. Like, he used to show up to training with a water cup from Wawa. And that was his water. <laughs> like, not a Gatorade bottle, Chad. This guy would show up with a cup. A clear cup. Like, imagine going to Starbucks and be like, let me get a 
let me get the largest cup and just fill it with ice and water. And Chad, he would put a straw in it and that was his water for training. He would drink out of that for training. And I was just like, That's and great. now you see him, man. He played USL League One for you know Greenville. Then he went to the Stars. And last year he was in Stumptown AC. And now he signed with a you know pretty big club in Chattanooga who will probably, if I'm not, you know, I don't want to speak too soon, but most likely they'll end up playing in USL League One or Championship. They have the the size of the club and fans, but he's made a heck of a career for himself and, and kudos to him. He deserves it. But yeah, man, we had some good players, but the experience in itself, like we played one league game yeah, against exactly. the Meriden Bobcats for the 10th time um, with no refs. Like the, the Chad, the coaches. I was, at, I was at one of those games. Chad, the, Chad, <laughs> the coaches. No ref one. The coaches were the refs, man. It was call your own fouls. Matt Driver on one line, Chris McCarl on the other, like, hey, man, no, that's Matt, offsides. Matt wasn't even there. It was just Chris and the other dude. Matt wasn't even – Matt was a no-show. Yeah. Um, I remember also – I remember when we played again at Rowan against some team in the league at the time, and I remember I had to coach. I had to leave coaching just to make warm-ups. And yeah. I was like, this is a joke. Like, we yeah. got to – you know. But, you know, I got to play and were, I was getting paid the, the checks, you know, even though they came sometimes late. But um, <laughs> um, God bless Matt Driver. Love him. There's Great a dude. To me, that whole setup was way like I think ahead of its time. I think there was well, a, there was a period agree more. Before, before we got there where ASL was like legit. fairly legit, like there were some good teams. But now mm-hmm. I think the, the Fury would have fit in well with maybe Nisa or like a really strong, like UPSL NPSL kind of like year long program. And I think yeah. like at that, like kind of limbo period there where Nisa didn't start, we were waiting to get into Nisa. There was not, no other like real teams to play just kind of no. like that, that, you know? Yeah. So that was my experience. I went from a really, you know, I went from Cosmos and then I made a little, I forgot. I made a little, I got uh, loaned out to a team called Tulsa athletic out in NPSL to get minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was with the Cosmos, they wanted me to go play. So I went out there. So I got to play there. And then I went to Greece and then I was in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were four teams in really two years, yeah. which was a suitcase. That's a lot of moving. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't know about minor league soccer is you're jumping around. You're, you're mm-hmm. trying to keep the dream alive. You're getting paid. Cosmos, I got pretty decent. They had a lot of money. So I got probably more than I was supposed to. But um, I mean, whatever. It's a job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then, yeah, I ended up at the Fury, got to meet you. And, and then it, it kind of... And then from there, not to jump the gun, but from there, I ended up going on trial with Ford Madison mm-hmm. in USL League One. Was there for, uh, I want to say, three weeks. Kind of got invited on a whim, too. I uh, went into a player, you you know, invite combine. Mm-hmm. They weren't sure about me. They're kind of on the fence. And then I got a text message like a week before preseason was supposed to start. And um, from Daryl Shore, great guy, shot me a text and said, hey, your ticket um, is booked for you to come next week. We'll see you on Monday at 8, 8 a.m. Like you're going to land in Madison. And guys, I come off the plane and there's some four Madison fans there because they get a great crowd. Yeah. And the team, you know, they have it on the news. And I got a gift from one of these fans. Yeah. Like, I'm not even signed, but <laughs> but sick. Dude, and I this gift is like wrapped perfectly. It's big. It was a block of cheese. <laughs> I figured I you were going to say that or like a, fl- like a flamingo, like a Statue I got a pound of I got a pound of cheese, guys. They gave me a pound of cheese. I had two bites of that cheese. It just sat in my hotel room for the rest of my time there until I went to the apartment. But yeah, that was a great experience. That was League One, awesome time. Met some really cool dudes there. Um, and then that I went on some more trials, and 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 then I went on trial with Detroit City FC, now playing the championship. Yeah, that was awesome. Got to go meet Trevor James and Stephen Carroll, and um, 
Seb, who's now plays Chattanooga Red Wolves. Yeah, it's been a it was a heck of a time, man. I I had a I had a blast. It was so much fun. I think Detroit City FC is the coolest, um, like setup in the country as of right now. I don't know what their end goals are, especially with like I think they were probably too good for Nisa. USL Championship seems like a good level for them, but like I kind of lucked into being with the Fury for like when they actually joined Nisa for the mm-hmm. brief, like month long that they were. Yeah. And yeah. uh, played against Detroit City. I, I got paid one time to play soccer, and that was I made 180 bucks playing five. I subbed in for five minutes against Detroit. Uh, I didn't touch the ball with my feet. We were down one zero. <laughs> sub in a defensive minded right back. You know, I had two throw ins, committed a foul, a header. But uh, that's what you yeah, want. That's you cool. Need. So like, and like I think about that all the time. Like the experience, yeah. just going there for one day, like the smoke flying and the fans singing, like it must have been like pretty cool to see that like firsthand and like be a part of like, that group. It was, it was, um, man, it was sick. Like it was, you, you go to a place and you kind of, you're at this high school, the turf isn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, your lower back and your, you know, mid back is always hurting every day because the turf was terrible. Mm-hmm. Random times a train would just go passing right behind the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and they pack it out with 8,000 people and they're screaming yeah. and they're like, F United States soccer. You know, they know the names of the opposing players. They're saying, yeah, I got heckled. Like, I was about to sub in and they were like heckling me. It's like, yeah, it's like, like, dude, it's, it's, and the coolest thing about all that too, it isn't, isn't like, it's not even the playing aspect or it's not even like the fact that you're putting on that Jersey. It's the fact that those people love it like they live for it like those people circle a saturday and say i'm going to watch detroit city fc and and it makes their week and it and it's it was so fun and and my little time there you know covid came into an aspect and and that kind of messed things up but um my little time there that i was fortunate enough to you know put on my cleats and 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 wake up every day and and live in that area and, and play and so on was awesome like i i I couldn't have, I, I wouldn't trade for the world. I met the coolest people there. Trevor James is a phenomenal coach. Um, he's a very, in a lot of ways, he was very, he was a very tactical minded person, but at the same time, he gave a lot of freedom to his players to kind of have trust in them. Obviously within the lines that he created and the things that he wanted to accomplish in the game. Um, he has a cool background too. He won a champions league with Barcelona as the head scout. He coached out of the galaxy. That's the English, he head coach. He's, he's still the head coach, right? Yeah, yep, yep. Um, he was the interim head coach for LA Galaxy when David Beckham was there. Like, he's got a heck of a resume. <clears throat> um, and his wife's a wonderful lady. She did all the stuff for the club, got us our breakfast and lunch and stuff like that. Wonderful person. Um, it was so cool. Like, it was such an atmosphere. Um, if I could have played for one club for 10 years, it would be Detroit City. Like, if I could do what the captain, Steph Carroll's doing, you know, get married, have a house there, mm-hmm. um, two beautiful dogs. Um, and make a heck of a career like he's made. Shout out to Stefan, uh, Steve Carroll, Stefan, but they call him Steve Carroll, whatever. Um, I would do that. I would sign the 10 year, I'll sign a lifetime contract with Detroit. That's the big <laughs> guy in the back, right? Yeah, number five. No, the yeah. other guy's Matt Lewis. He came from, um, he actually played Cosmos and then played indoor and then got picked up and now he's, uh, he's there. So um, it, it was so cool, man. Like it was awesome. And then uh, Javi is the, was the assistant. I think he's still there. I'm not sure if he's at – yeah, he's still there. Super good dude. Go nice job. guy. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome dude. Good, good guy. Oh, do you guys you guys met him or I, – No, I just know him from YouTube because he has a YouTube oh, channel where he posts a bunch of trainings and stuff. Oh, man. His sessions were good. He would always run the warm-ups, and he kind of sometimes would overdo it with the cones, but I love him. 
Love that guy. So that awesome. was uh, like leading into the 2020 season. Is that when like COVID? Yeah, when expired? yeah when COVID hit. Yeah, so I kind of that situation. COVID kind of impacted me. It kind of impacted some some other people too. But mm-hmm. ended up COVID happening and had to come back home. And then uh, when they went back to the bubble, I didn't uh, didn't get brought back. Just you know, cost and they were able to film you know some spots with local kids and mm-hmm. um, just made more sense financially for the club. And again, it's a minor league team, so they're not made out of money and. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they have to run it. It's a business. And that's the biggest thing that people should learn that trying to be a pro athlete or at any sport, it's a job. Like the people you turn on the TV and watch, whether it's Messi, Ronaldo, Tony Cruz, whoever you watch that you circle to watch today, Man City, Real Madrid, mm-hmm. regardless if they make hundreds of millions, you know, millions of dollars a year, that's how they feed their families. That's how they drive those sick Lambos and whatnot. Like mm-hmm. it's a job. And if they don't perform, they don't get paid. And if they don't, you know, they don't perform, they don't get a contract. If they, if they suck, then the coach gets like, it's a job. Yeah. Um, but at this point, you know, I kind of, I kind of knew that you know, I, I became, again, it was a job at that point. I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew what I signed up for. So it was a great experience for sure. It was awesome. I so loved it. Going second. into it as uh, like, this is my quote unquote, like try out for the team. Like if I don't perform in this preseason or this friendly, like, I'm not getting yeah. signed or was it like yeah. we're already signed? No, I wasn't signed. I, I went in on trial, mm-hmm. um, stayed around. Um, Kevin Venegas, who played in the MLS for Minnesota, NASL two for them, kind of was like, hey, man, you know how I signed for Minnesota? I was like, no, you got drafted? He's like, no, I just didn't leave. I was like, what do you mean you didn't leave? He's like, I, they were like, we don't want to sign you. I just stayed. I just stayed in a hotel. And I just kept trying to train it. And I kind of did the same thing. I just wouldn't leave. Like mm. Trevor wasn't sure about me. And instead of a lot of kids would be like, oh, you don't like me? I'll leave. I was just like, okay, I'll stay till you figure it out. Yeah. And that's how it happened. Just stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed. And then at that point, you're either going to take the coach's thing. Like you never, my best, biggest advice to anyone going in on trial to any club is don't give, don't allow the coach's decision to be an easy one. Meaning if the coach is like, oh, I'm not sure about you. Don't take it personal. He's not sure. Mm-hmm. Stay around. Just stay. If you have to put yourself up in a hotel for a week and pay the 800 bucks, mm-hmm. if it means that much to you, you'll do it. And yeah. um, fortunate enough, I didn't have to do that. I was in the, one of the apartments with Bakey Goodman, um, awesome player from Georgetown, got drafted, played for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Um, that was a cool – he's a cool dude. Married now to a wonderful – or proposed fiancé. Mm-hmm. Um awesome experience there so yeah i went in on trial fortunate enough stayed around long enough i fooled someone else to give me another chance to keep the dream alive and, and i got to keep going that's cool what uh fun. yeah for sure that was probably the after like that kind of shutdown that was probably the longest yeah. you went without playing how did you get back yeah. into it and what was kind of like like yeah it was it was tough dude i i i came back home to maine um Came back here and I was fortunate enough. I have a I have a quite a bit of a network of people that I know and and one of the gentlemen that owned one of the indoor complexes here allowed me to uh, gave me a code where I could go in. So I'd <clears throat> I'd, I'd wake up just typical day. Would wake up seven a.m. Go train by myself or another buddy who was playing over in Sweden at the time mm-hmm. from like seven forty five to nine o'clock, and then would go work out and then uh, I would do that every day. So I'd stay fit. Was staying fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, my agent at the time, Tony Porch, got me in some other trials uh, when everything opened back up. So I went on trial with, <clears throat> I went on, I went on a USL League One trial. Um, where did I go? Not Ford Madison. Excuse me. I went on an in, invite trial. Excuse me again with Chattanooga Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Odella. They're now first in the league. He's done a heck of a job. Um, went in there. 
they had me playing center back. Excuse me again, not my position. Um, did well enough to earn another, you know, to go back in preseason. Um, ended up being there for two weeks. Didn't work out. Then from there, ended up going to on trial. There was another stop I did. Uh, where did I end up? I, oh, I went. I went to. Um, um, I'm drawing a blank on it now. Uh, USL Championship team, and I'm drawing a blank. I think they folded. Yep. It was an El Paso. El Paso. No, not El Paso. It might have been El Paso. El Paso, El Paso locomotive. Yeah, they fold or is that are they still around? They're still around. Yeah, they're pretty good. You know, what what was the one that folded? There was a team that folded. I'm drawing a blank on them right now. I, it, whatever. I went on trial with the USL Championship side. Was there for five a week. Um, yeah. Just didn't fit in. And then I went on an invite trial with Charlotte Independence with uh, Mike Jeffrey. So now I've been on four trials in about five months. Um, was there for a week. I did well. I've only scored maybe five goals in my bouncing around as a pro mm -hmm. and one of them <laughs> i i'm gonna say i scored six now because i scored in one of the preseason uh, friendlies that i was a part of mm -hmm. um and i don't score like yeah. guys i i that's not in my game um so I, I i thought i did well you know fit in i was a good uh at that point i was trying to be a morale guy so trying to make sure the water bottles were filled the locker rooms good music um you know trying I've been to get there the boys. before too i sometimes <laughs> you just got to kind of embrace the morale guy the hug beast like yeah. just clap your teammates up Dude, you, you gotta you gotta add things into your game. And I think that's the other thing too that all these kids I think that the the yeah, so I went on trial there and then didn't work out. And then when I was on trial there, Rod Underwood was um that's when Stumptown AC was being put together. And I ended up staying there for a about a month on trial with them and it just didn't work out financially on both sides. Uh, mm -hmm. the money I got offered, I thought I should have got more, they didn't have more, and it just we went back and forth. And that was really my that was um, the beginning of their fall season in NISA and then break spring came back around, went back out again. Cause I, one of their center mids got hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, it just for whatever reason, just, it didn't work out and that happens. And then again, went on a little break and then went with on a trial with fire city union and decided that was the time. But so yeah, to answer your thing, that gap in between was the longest I ever went out without playing. Um, and I just trained, ran, mentally was draining was the worst it was tough mm -hmm. i brought you down a windy road there i kind of went off topic but so that's like uh, i think people are just up for like if, if you're gonna have to do this like, you got to just be up for like any experience like dude, the amount of, uh yeah this is like yeah. me at like a, a lower like uh at a lower level like so this summer i played for atlantic city fc and like i didn't yeah. intend to get that far into it but i just i knew the the general manager, I stayed in touch with him. And like, I went to a couple of practices thinking like, oh, I'll go or whatever. And like, I really like the coach. I was learning a lot. And I was just like, I'll just go for the experience. Like I enjoy the experience and, and what's going on. So like, if you enjoy it. Like, I don't, I, I think people kind of, they look at it as like, is it a success or failure? Well, it's like success is not necessarily like signing a contract or getting yeah. this amount of appearances. Like you could just go it doesn't work out but you'd be like oh, that was a win for me like because yeah, i, I yeah, like exactly. yeah no i couldn't agree more i think the the biggest thing that again any kid that listens to this or anyone that listens and and, and you guys you know chad i know you're playing indoor and and mm -hmm. congrats on, on doing that and playing at that pro level that's m3 sick legend that's so m3 sick um, um and i know andrew you dabbled in, in the pro game also and and next kudos to you guys who you guys are as people right like you're going to hear the word no in this type of profession more than you hear yes, especially when you don't get drafted and, and you're a division three guy and, and you kind of have to go to trials and so on. 
Um, but it's all about just like taking positives from every experience and, and learning the intangibles. Like I, I wasn't a great example. I, I always played everything within a 20 yard radius. And one of the biggest things I focused on that time when I was back home with a buddy was getting in the habit of being able to open my hips and hitting a 70 yard long ball. Mm-hmm. And when I got signed again and <clears throat> played again, that was the biggest attribute to my game. I was able to get the ball in deep pockets out of the back and hit a long ball to an outside back right forward into space. And it opened a lot of eyes and gave me a lot of more opportunities that I, I, I mean, I shouldn't have been on trial in the USL championship. I wasn't as athletic enough. I, it was my brain that got me in those places, but mm-hmm. um, that's the biggest thing learning in, in tangibles. And sometimes it is being a hype guy. Sometimes it is being a guy who's the team DJ and making sure the guys in the corner that only speak Spanish, they hear Jay Balvin and bad bunny and, <laughs> yeah. and making, making sure the guys that are Russian, they hear their Russian music or making yeah. sure the guys that are, you know, um, from Brazil, they hear the Portuguese music or making sure the guys from Iceland or me, the Greek guy, get a make a Greek song in there. Like you just, if you really want to play in this game, you, especially at, you know, USL championship, NISA, uh, USL league one, where the average contract's two grand a month and you love it and you're willing to do that. You got to find other things to find your way to stay there. And I got to do it for five, a a lot longer than I ever anticipated. And it was because of that. Um, And I will never, sometimes I think of it as a sense of I was in a bubble and I lived in that bubble and Mm -hmm. you get protected. Right. Um, and I'll never change it for the world, man. It was so much fun. I had, I got to meet amazing people like yourself, Andrew, and, and now Chad, I got to meet, got to meet you also. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great, it was a great experience for sure. I'll never, anyone should do it. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it for sure. You like go out over there or what? Yeah, I know. I, I set up a light cause it gets dark here. Let me, uh, wow, you're good. You're good, man. Yeah. Good. Uh, the laptop that I plug it into died. So now I'm in, I'm in the dark. Yeah, like that. Oh, no, no, I got is, it back. Yeah, love that. Love that. That's awesome. So that but, so like for me yeah. when I was playing, I yeah, let's say I wasn't playing well, or like sometimes like you like for me, I, there were a lot of times where I was like, all right, I'm not at this level and I and I know oh, it. Sure. But like I'm learning things and just taking in the experience. How do you do that since you said like you don't you don't coach, you don't really want to coach right now? like are you just done or do you so, just yeah, like to kind of study the game um, be around it I, I i so when i came back from playing i was coaching um a high school team here at nya north yarmouth academy it's a prep school mm-hmm. in maine um with another person who played the usl championship his name is matt williams he was a goalkeeper played at cincinnati then played uh three years in the usl championship probably the best goalkeeper that's ever walked through the state of maine heck of a golfer also um, he said, I can't believe I just said that. He's going to freaking, I'm going to get a text from him and then she gets released. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, and we coached and I loved it. Um, I, I, I really did love it. And not that I, I think I'll end up going to get more of my badges. So I hold some U.S. soccer coaching badges. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, I, I got the first one, two, three. So I think it's A, B, C, D. I have a, I'm in the process of getting a D. I was able to kind of skip some levels and whatever. Um, just from playing backgrounds and emailing some people and so on and so forth. But I, I love the game. I, I truly enjoy it. I love coaching it. It's something that I thought I was going to want to do the moment I stopped playing. My, my whole dream, guys, and I'll tell you and I'll share it to you, was to play at the highest level possible so it was the easiest for me to become a pro coach at the highest level. Mm-hmm. So if that means I played USL Championship, well, 
then perfect. That means my NTSL championship would be in and I would be able to be a coach. Mm. There's something <clears throat> about doing the same thing since you're, I was really three years old. It just came to a point, like I mentioned, it became a job for me. Mm. And a little bit, I got burnt out, right? You're doing the same thing every day for nine months. Um, and if you're not signed, you're training on your own. You're not really having a job. Um, you're not really living like a social life. Um, and it was time for me to just, I just want, I, right now I've just kind of stepped away. Now, the way I kind of learn from the game, I do a lot of reading um, about it. So one of the books I highly recommend if you haven't, there's a three or two books on Pep Guardiola. Um, first one when he was at Bayern Munich. Um, and I can send you guys that after. The second one, they just wrote about his first season at Man City. I've read both of those cover to cover. And then a lot of the times I will watch, I watch a lot of soccer, Premier League, La Liga. Mm -hmm. I like to watch three things about a game every time. <clears throat> oh, hopefully my battery doesn't die here. Um, I like to watch three things about a game every time. So I'll, I'll watch over as the game progresses. I'll pick up on the cues. For example, I'll use Man City, their breakout phase today. So they played a 4-3-3. Um, they played with John Stones on the right back until he got injured. Mm -hmm. And it became really a 3-4-3 three, three with John Stones coming inside and being uh, another number six. Mm -hmm. So I like to watch the buildup. I like to watch the eight and tens and the positions they put themselves in. And then I like to watch the three front movements. So majority of times when I watch soccer, I'm not even watching the ball. I'm watching yeah. everyone's movements. And that's how I kind of um, keep my, my, you know, learn more. And, and I take a lot of notes. So I, it's more fun that way too. To, right. Like yeah. If you get out of the habit of watching the ball, it's way more fun to watch guys like scanning yeah. around and, and it's a game of chess, man. But so yeah, to answer your question, I, I will watch a lot of soccer. Um, I have the aspirations. I will get back into coaching. I probably within the next two months or so will, especially if I'm in Maine for the summer, I'll probably get back into coaching teams and so on. Um, I was coaching quite a bit when I stopped and, and won a couple of tournaments, which was really fun. And, but yeah, it's really just watching a lot of soccer, reading a lot, um, taking a lot of notes, different ideas from different coaches. Um, and that's how I kind of stay in the game. And then I play a lot of golf, man. I've been playing a lot of golf, a lot of golf, retired life isn't bad i don't have to run anymore don't have to you know be that crazy kid who's running all the time and watching what he eats and going to bed at whatever so nice. competitive uh competitive itch i always like yeah. um with like to me like playing like you kind of compete all the time but now i find the, the like i always find the fact that i could go coach a team yep and like I could work towards a long-term goal. So if you're like, you're playing, yeah. you're working towards like winning a game or earning a spot or, or something like that. But like when I'm coaching, especially a young team, I could be like, I want to work towards a long-term goal, this player developing that player developing. So yeah, like that sure. kind of like fulfills it for me and everybody kind of sees that differently. So it's cool I that you're, like, you're trying different things as well. Yeah, man. It, 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 my whole thing is though, I, I wanted to just give all the knowledge I got from all the people I met. Mm -hmm. um, onto kids. So when every time I coach, I try to one, do it, try to coach the game in the way I want it to be played. So I, I'm a firm believer in having the ball. If I have the ball, I don't have to defend and I can attack. Yep. Um, and I, I also don't believe that there's no reason why the ball should not be spread around and, and played um, one touch, two touch, hot potato, really. Mm -hmm. And then it's all about just putting yourself in a space and then just playing cat and mouse throughout the whole time. Meaning if I'm an outside back, if I, if I, if I send my outside backs as a coach and I, I, I start them 10 yards higher, well, that means the outside midfielder from the other team is 10 yards further back. Yeah. If my outside back is making runs into the offensive third or, or you know, overlapping or, or 
whatever the case is, that midfielder has to follow him. If he doesn't follow him, then it's a 2v1. We have an overload. We can play 2v1s. If he does follow him, the moment the team wins the ball, now that winger has to run 90 yards. Yeah. You tell me any guy who can run 90 yards for 90 minutes, and mm-hmm. I'll probably ask him to take a steroids test. But, yeah. um, like, it's just simple things like that, just putting guys in spaces where the other people that you're playing against have to either check their shoulders Mm-hmm. Or they have to go stand with them. And if they stand with them, then we bop into that space. Yep. If they don't stand with them, then take the space until someone commits to you. When someone commits, well, then he's out of space. He's out of position. The guy goes into position. The guy just left and you play around him. It's the simplest game in the world. For whatever reason, people want to complicate it. Yeah. Um, I think Johan Cruyff said the best quote. It, the, the game of soccer or football, he said, most likely, God rest his soul. Um, the, simple, the game of football is the simplest game to play in the world, but it's hard to play simple football. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, it's so easy, man. Yep. This game is so easy. Like if you just tune it on a TV and watch Man City or Ajax, I really like watching them. Xavi's doing better yep. um, with Barcelona. Um, I think another good team that I really enjoy watching um, is is in Italy. I like watching AC Milan. Mm-hmm. I like watching Napoli. Uh, Chelsea's interesting to watch at times. I like Tottenham. The game is so simple. Mm-hmm. It's so easy, man. It's one ball, 11 guys, and it's a game of chess. Yeah, that's cool. It's and awesome. you could tell, like, you, like if you get back into coaching, you're probably more towards the, the higher-level players rather than the – Yeah, I mean, I, I would prefer to coach kids that – I mean, I, I, the, the last team I coached when I came back to Maine was the U17 boys. It was the second team on the boys' team. Mm-hmm. And when there were some very good players there, and my whole idea was I had to pick one – there was one kid that was playing out of position. He he was supposed to be a number six. The coach before him had him playing outside back. And I said, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You're a number six, but like I, you're you're just a number six. Like there's just that kid. He was so clean on the ball, so smooth, understood the game. He said, you're going to come play number six for me. He's like, but coach, I don't, I'm not good at tackling. And I was like, well, it doesn't matter. Just I'll, I'll help you out and we're going to play our game through you. And it changed the whole team environment. And he loved it. He would come in between the center backs, pick up the ball deep in our buildup. And then I taught him the biggest thing that I tried to get across to him was being comfortable getting the ball, quote on your podcast name, on the half turn hey. in, between, in between the two center backs and either being able to spin your hips and driving the ball forward until someone commits. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest thing for a kid to be comfortable with at 17, you know, 16, 17, yeah. dribbling until someone commits to you. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if the ball does not go forward. It's okay that, that that guy just committed to you and you step on the ball and you go backwards and we start again. Um, and, and that was, it's so fun to watch because when it clicks, oh man, it's sick. Like, I like how you obviously like how you threw in the name of the podcast there, but I really think, I think we, we got lucky with the name of the podcast because we threw around some other ideas too. And on the half turn is definitely the coolest one, but there's also like a modern need for like a lot of people talk about like the third man runner runs in behind or this or that, like it all like kind of comes from on the half turn on the half turn can mean a lot of things. Like you could be like technically half turn just to see more of the field to receive the ball properly going forward or half turn to like unlock different spaces. Like the half, the half turn will never die. And like, if you're doing it right, it'll just like, you get a half turn running behind half turn, spray it wide half time. Like, so like, I, I think it's cool that you You know, it all springs off that man. I think it all springs off the half turn. And then, I think the biggest thing that I take away from my experiences and what I want to pass on to kids is, especially in a country like America, it's okay to go backwards and start again. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to go forward all the time. Yes, 
the first thing you should always try to do is when you're on the ball is look as far as you can. Mm. And if it makes sense, play it because you can break lines and so on and so forth. But if it's not on, man, let's step on it. Let's go backward. Let's start again. Let's, in my opinion, the game of soccer is try your best to suck the team as many as their players you can into one side or one area. And then as quickly as you can go play in the side that they just left. Yeah. Chad, does that it's sound just, like build pressure, break pressure? Yeah, it sounds very familiar <laughs> to what we just Chad, Chad and I were working with the uh we were with this one coach and he just kept saying build pressure and then break pressure. And he said it over and over again, which it, it's true, like it's a good principle, but it's just funny that he kept saying it, kept saying it. Build pressure, I, break I, pressure. Ingrained yeah. in my head now. I don't ever I don't ever want to just build it to build pressure. Like yeah. I, I always think that. And to go off that, that's a really good comment. I think that's brilliant what the guy said. I think that's hilarious. I, I, my whole thing was just, it's just, again, it's a cat and mouse game, man. Like if you watch Neymar, he's the epitome of it. This guy is the epitome of a cat and mouse game. If you were able to, if you go watch Neymar and you watch him play out wide, first thing that you should notice is that he literally stands, and Marcelo did this when Marcelo was in his prime at Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. He would stand outside the white line. He's basically standing out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And what do you think that winger's doing? That winger's like, what the hell is this guy doing? Why is he staying out of bounds? So the winger probably t- switches off maybe, and then he comes in, and he's using so far much of the field that all this there's so much space. Yeah. But Neymar is so good at, like, he brings the guy with him, brings the guy with him, checks one time, doesn't get it, checks another time, doesn't get it. And on the third time, he goes to check. Well, what do you think that defender is going to go do now? He's going to follow him, yeah. and now the space is where? And behind them, yep, like, it's, a cat, it's a game of cat and mouse. That's all this game is. The mm-hmm. all 11 players, it's a game of cat and mouse. It's the same thing with the two center backs and the striker. It's the same thing with the three center midfielders. Where, like, if I'm on number six and I'm playing against Chad, who's in their, the other team's number 10, mm-hmm. most likely Chad as a number 10 probably does not want to offend. That's why he's the number 10. And if I can pull him out of that space, in. and yeah, if I can pull him out of that space that he's standing in, well, my center back then can break the line by playing into an eight. I can spin off Chad, get the ball by a set from the number eight, and then I can play the game wherever I want to play because I'm facing forward now. Yep. Um, it's just so many things in the game. It's it's for me. That's what the game is. The game of chess. Brings me, uh, brings me back to to the patterns back in the Fury days. I'm sure you remember uh, the patterns. I, I don't even want to. I don't even want to talk about those. I actually really enjoyed those. Those were fun when we really got it pinging. Like dudes are just blasting balls at you. You're just turning and setting, and guys were flying. Yeah. It was fun. I agree. It was fun for sure, man. Yep. It, this is it, it, uh, honestly, it was I'm looking back on it now. This is really guys. And I thank you so much for having me on. Mm-hmm. This is really the most I've been able to sit down and chat with someone else and look back on my playing days. And I, I didn't even get all through of all of them. Yeah. I have so many stories too. Um, but you guys are, are doing a heck of a podcast. This is awesome. Um, what you guys have created and, and the platform you guys have created and the name is, is great. And, and I don't think there's two better people to do it. Um, Andrew, you were, a heck of a player when you were playing. And, and I, I think I met you in a time where you had so many other things in your life going on. You had that sick new Jeep that you had somehow. <laughs> I don't know what you were doing with that Jeep. Um, and you're in grad school, which I didn't even want to go to college originally. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad, pleasure, man. Um, I'm happy that you're doing well in playing and, and play as long as you can. Play as long as you can, man. I think Chad should just buy into the indoor legend, kind of like Chris Vaccaro. Yeah. Chad, play as long as you can, man. Play as we, long as you can. Me and Andrew always joke around how, like, you hit indoor prime at, like, 30 years old. Like, Are you there right now? Are you signed there right like, now? What's up? Are you signed there right now? Is that where you're at? I played with an MASL3 team during the winter. Okay. That's sweet. Good so it wasn't prof- fully professional. 
it's a, it's a, hey, whatever, man. The next step's the MASL. Yeah. Good for you, bro. Enjoy so it, man. My Enjoy thinking it. was like, this is a good, like, obviously kind of deep dive into some of your career, went off on some good topics. And then maybe yeah. like at some point, uh, World Cup's kind of far down the road, but maybe there's like other games where we kind of like get on here and talk about, or like we find some news that we want to talk about. So like yeah. we got, uh, I don't know if you listen to the other podcast with my friend, Mike, he, he came yep. on a few times and we just kind of talked about talked about his journey. And then the next one, we talked about the Euros. Or yeah. like, you know, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in something come, like, yep. dude, guys, if, if I'm, I'm willing to come on this podcast and talk soccer with you and mix in the golf talk here and there with Chad, I'm in to come on this podcast anytime. Like if you guys called me tomorrow and said, hey, we're, we're recording at 7 a.m., I will, I will be back from the gym at 7.30 tomorrow. I will be on this podcast again. So I am available anytime you guys want. Your soccer podcast on the half turn. Chad's golf podcast will be in the sand bunker or something. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. I like that. In the sand bunker. In the That's sand bunker. Brilliant. Um, brilliant, so, yeah, thanks for hopping on and talking. And we'll do more of this stuff as, as we go on too. Cause like guys. we've been fairly inconsistent with episodes and we want to kind of get worry. back to like episodes that don't always have to be current. Right. We don't always want right. to react to something. So like, if there's yeah. ever like a topic you think would be like a good one, like if it's something with youth development or like we talk about college soccer or something and we could really dive into it, I like that, that'd be yeah. perfect. Yeah, no, I'm in. I'm in to do it. I'm in to dive in about different tactics, coaching styles, ideas, yeah. um, different faces of the game that we think are more important than others. I'm, in, I'm all for it. So I, I can't thank you guys enough. This was so much fun. Um, Chad, enjoy. Again, man, play. As long as you can play, man. If that means you're playing USL League Two and getting paid under the table and you're paying your bills, play, man. Play as long as you can. And that's a thing, too, in USL League Two. They pay guys under the table. That's tough. Yeah, I heard <laughs> That's a story for another time. I, well, yeah. I can get into that with you guys for sure, yep. too. So, so gentlemen, thank you again. All right. Chad, thanks for having me on. Andrew, nice seeing you again. Just keep in touch. If we're in the Philly area, if we're ever up in Maine, we'll, we'll hit the links. Yeah, if we're yeah, ever up in sure, Maine. <laughs> well, no, I think I'm going to be moving closer to you guys here soon. So, yeah, back closer. in here. Sounds yeah, good, man. man. Most likely. All, All right. right, boys. Have a wonderful Thanks, night. Dimitri. Thank you again. Right. See you, Thanks, boys. Bro.